know, the, the quality of your life will be a factor of your relationships. The quality of your life will be a factor. It will be determined. It will be influenced mainly by your relationships. And many of us, we're going through life and we feel like something's missing. And we, we see our neighbor's car. And I think, that car is missing in my life. <laughs> or we see a house, or we see material things. But God is a relational God. And he created us relational. And what you want to do is you want to cultivate a quality, 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 high level quality of your relationships, your friendships. If there are ungodly friendships, you want to get out of those. And you want to cultivate your, your relationships. Especially for married couples. Can be heaven on earth or hell on earth. Depending on what's happening there. But God, God has blessed marriage. And his plan is for bliss. Look at your neighbor and say bliss. Uh-huh. Heavenly bliss in marriage. And if you're married and you say, I haven't, I haven't experienced that bliss yet. <laughs> we are praying for you today. Amen? Awesome. All right, so this morning, we're continuing with our message. But before we go on, I just want to honor somebody this morning. If you don't know this man, his name is Billy Graham. His name is actually William. (laughs) They call him Billy Graham, evangelist. And he died on the 21st this week. And he had a quote. He said that if you hear one day that Billy Graham has died, don't believe them. Because on that day, I will be more alive than I've ever been. And the word says, precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. And there is great celebration and honor for those who come in to receive their crown of righteousness. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm putting up his picture is because we need, we need to emulate. We need to imitate the faith of those who have gone before us. Billy Graham was a man who would enter nations and the whole nation will know that the kingdom of God is coming. Even in the communist nations, Russia, Eastern Germany, coming in in the Soviet Union and bringing the light of the gospel and changing death into light because of the power of the preaching of the gospel. And for some of us, we have despised preaching. But God has said that he has chosen that through the foolishness of preaching that he will save those who believe. Amen? And through the offense of the cross, the simplicity of it, that the Greeks will say, no, we need something more sophisticated. And that the Jew will say, no, this bloody, bloody savior, mm -mm, we don't want it, it's offensive. But to those of us who are being rescued and saved, it is both the wisdom of God and it is both the power of God. Amen? So, May the grace that has been operating in that ministry, that evangelistic mantle, uh, may flood our church. 
that it may flood our homes. That it will be said of us. And, and if you look at the time, 1918 to 2018, that was 100 years, short by a couple of months. I think he was born in November. And so it's really important for us to, to have a picture of the blessed life. Amen? So hopefully there are some Billy Grahams and Bila. <laughs> Bila Grahams that are in our midst. Amen. Right. So, freedom from fear. We spoke last week about how God created us without this sense of vulnerability or this sense of being threatened or this sense of danger on a constant basis. And for those of of you who follow the news daily, you will notice what is happening around the world. And one of the major themes is terrorism. The root word of terrorism is terror, which goes to fear. To do harm in order to instill fear. And the original terrorist himself was Lucifer. And his plan was to touch the children of God in such a way that they would become dysfunctional throughout their whole existence. To the point where whether God blesses them with a great wonderful inheritance and a great wonderful blessing, that they will have no way of enjoying it because they feel afraid. The book of Genesis It gives us the picture there. When Adam sinned against God. And God came into the garden. And and he was asking Adam, where are you? And Adam for the first time was hiding from love. Hiding from goodness. Hiding from the light. Hiding from that which is perfect. And he said, I heard the sound Of you walking in the garden. And I was afraid. Because I was naked. Because I was exposed. Because I was vulnerable. Because I was in danger. And so. I hid myself. And since that time. Mankind has been running away. From God. Hiding themselves. From goodness. Hiding themselves. From love. Hiding themselves from that which rids them of fear. And Jesus had to come. And when Jesus was born, there was a multitude of angels that came on the earth. You remember? And they said, glory to God in the highest and peace and goodwill. Towards men. That if previously mankind had a sense of danger and vulnerability and enmity between them and God. Now, because the Savior, the Son of God has come on the earth. We now have a witness from heaven. We have someone that comes from the Father's house to say that God loves you. The Bible says that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation 
to weep, to think that God was imploring men and appealing to them to be reconciled back to God. A reconciliation implies a breach in the relationship, a breaking and a separation between man and God. And God sent his son to reconcile, to reunite God and man. And it says, not counting their sins against them. Not counting, not holding their sins against them. Why? If God is a just God, if God is a God that has to deal with sin, if God is a God that needs to address evil, wherever it may be found, why is it that he's not counting men's sins against them anymore? Because 2,000 years ago, he counted all of our sins against one. And he laid all the sins of all generations. Men, women, children, every sin was laid upon him. And the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. And God punished sin in the flesh of Jesus. As a testimony to show you that you are loved. And I know that sometimes during the week, you say, Lord, if only my boss will give me a promotion, I will know that you love me. (laughs) If only that brother will marry me, I will experience your love in a new way. (laughs) In a deeper way. Deeper way, Lord. But the Bible says that God commended his love towards us. He proved his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, in that while we were yet enemies, while we were yet rebellious and renegade. Not saying, okay, Lord, I'll come to you if. While we were yet running away from him, offending him, Crucifying him in the process. That Christ died for us. And when we speak about fear. Fear is a manifestation. Of the absence. Absence of love. Having had its full work. In your heart. And last week we ministered to those. Who have gone through traumatic experiences. That introduced fear into their lives. But I'm here to tell you that the love of God is the cure. The love of Christ is the cure. And the love of Christ not only heals your heart, but it causes you to live a full life. Our theme this year, abundant life in Christ. Amen. For the enemy comes to steal, to steal kill, and to destroy. All of those are elements that introduce fear. Amen? How many of you, you've had a burglary in your home and you've struggled to sleep in that place since that happened? And many times, the enemy, if he cannot take you out altogether, what he wants to do is to change your perspective. And he will do that either by introducing trauma 
or by introducing failure or by introducing rejection. So that now you have a memory that begins to point a finger at God. That begins to raise question marks to the love of God. And it is key that as a believer, you realize that you have not just come to a religious organization for religious compliance and for membership so that you can insert it in your CV. This is a godly brother we should. No. You have come to love itself. Amen. 1 John 4 verse 17 to 19. It says, this is how love is made complete among us. So that we will have. So that we will have. If you are afraid, do you have confidence? No. So this is how love is made complete among us. So that we will have confidence. Tell the person next to you, confidence. God wants you confident. God wants you confident. Humble and confident. Because there are some of us, we believe that those, are, those two are mutually exclusive. Because if you are confident, you can be humble. Because some husbands are like, my wife, you have to choose. Either you are confident with me or you are humble. <laughs> I'm sharing my heart because I'm confident. Confident and humble. So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. On the most fearful day. Amen. There are some of us, we've been running from God. There is a day when there will be a pit stop. I'm telling you. And that day can be when Jesus comes back or it can be the day you die. And some of you, you've been preached. The gospel has come to you. You've been preached and the preacher has rebuked you for your hidden sins. And you have said, well, I know about the patience of God. I know about his endurance, his long suffering. And the book of Proverbs says that he who is continuously rebuked and doesn't actually stop and listen will eventually be destroyed and without remedy. And there is a day, you ask yourself, why is there still evil in the world if God is love? Because there will be a day when every evil will be dealt with. If God had to enter, enter into this earth and begin to deal evil where he, w- he would found it, find it, some people in this church would not endure. So God is patient and he waits until the day of judgment. Amen? And the word of God says that we should have confidence on that day of judgment. Because in this world, we are. Another version says, for as he is, so are we in this world. So therefore, confidence on the day of judgment because of who God has made us to be. And then it says, 
There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. If you are introducing fear in any of your relationships, you are driving and snuffing out love. And some of the parents are thinking, yeah, but I need to discipline that young man. There's a difference. But there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. This is important, church, because you, the way that you see God will determine how you experience him. It will determine how you experience it. All the blessings, all the favor. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. You have been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. You are an heir of God and you are a child of God. And and, and all those things will not become effectual in your life if you have a wrong view of God. Amen? And what is the enemy's agenda? The enemy's agenda is to bring experiences into your life that change your view of God so that you have a clenched fist that cannot receive anything from God. And what he'll do secondarily is to introduce that in your other relationships so that you can have offense in your heart and you will not be able to experience love in those relationships. He comes to steal, to kill, And to destroy. Why? Because fear has to do with punishment. The other word there in in another version is torment. Because fear has to do with torment. So if you have fear in your life, you are under torment. The Bible speaks about how there was a man who owed his debtor. 5,000 talents. And that man had a huge debt. And he was at the point where he had to pay it. Otherwise he would be sold him and his family members into slavery so that they can work off the debt. And what the man did is he went to his creditor and he said, please, 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 won't you release me from this debt? And his creditor released him from the debt. But he himself had someone who owed him money, 500. Immediately after he was released from his debt, he thought, yeah, now if I get that 500, it will be a 500 positive. It won't be 4,500 minus. And he went over and he almost strangled the guy. Where's my money? Where's my money? You better pay me my money. Yes, yes, I'll pay you, I'll pay you. Just be patient with me. Have mercy on me. He said, enough mercy. You must pay my money. Enough mercy. And what happened is, they, the original creditor of 5,000 found out about this. This collection experience. <laughs> and he called the guy back. And he said, I forgave you 5,000. And you went, you almost strangled your brother for 500. What will happen now is time up, hand and foot, and throw him into prison. 
where the tormentors will deal with him. What is God saying here? Whenever you neglect to forgive, you are opening the door of fear and torment. Big like this. And in order for you to forgive, you really need to experience love from another source to empower you to release the other one. The forgiveness of God is what allows us to forgive others. And there are many people who are under the torment of fear and anxiety, which becomes the foundation for all the dysfunction in our physical body, because things begin to flow that shouldn't be flowing. You are constantly under adrenaline and stress, and then you begin to get sick. And it is not God's will at all. And God's plan is for you to realize that what you've received from God needs to be released as fruits of the Spirit, as forgiveness in your relationships, so that you may begin to experience the fullness of what God has for you. Amen? Amen. The one who fears, go back, has not been made perfect in love. The one who has been made perfect in love does not... Can you see that? And this is the question. For many of us, there's an empty seat. We come to church, Sunday in, Sunday out. We maybe sit in this corner here. No, We'll sing all the hallelujahs that we can sing. We'll tithe, we'll give our offering. We'll fast on Monday and on Friday. (laughs) We'll do all these things. But many of us are doing it from a foundation of fear. And you will know that this is the principle of demonic religion. As pious as it might look on its face, like Jesus said, it might be a polished tomb. It's whitewashed. It's a polished gravestone. But on the inside, there are dead men's bones. And what you don't want is you don't want your relationship with God to be stirred up on a foundation of self-preservation. Why? Because what that will do is it will cause you to act selfishly. In a very religious way. The Bible says that if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels. If I prophesy mysteries. If I have the faith to move mountains. But I have not love. It counts me nothing. If I give up my body to be burnt. And all my possessions for the poor. What do these things look like? These look like very good religious practices, is it not? This looks like members. This looks like leaders. But the foundation of it is not founded on love. So therefore, it is not a selfless act. It is a selfish act. You are counting the points. So that when you come to heaven, you will take your seat next to Jesus and say, where are those every nation guys? You can start worshipping. <laughs> Me and Jesus, we made it in life. 
And what you will do is you will feel a sense of entitlement from God, but with limitations. Why? Because you only got 70% in the exam, right? You'll say, I try my best, Annette. Yeah? That's what they'll say. I, I tried my best. God, God, God must see my 70%. And then, when, when I've got 70%, that means he must reward me at least 70%. At least. <laughs> but God's plan was to reward you 110%. Why? Because there was someone else who laid his life down and performed all the works necessary, and he got how much? 100%. 110%. And he gave us his merit. He gave us the recognition that he has so that we are able to freely come to God and receive grace and mercy in our time of need. The word of God says, come boldly. Approach God boldly. Does that sound like fear? Does that sound like lack of confidence? Does that sound like insecurity? No. That sounds like a child that knows that they are loved. Church, this is foundational because you will go home this week. You will join the Connect. You will read your Bible. You will preach the gospel to a friend. You will give to the poor on the side of the road. If all of those are on the foundation of fear, you are wasting your time and your money. That is why you must pay attention this morning. You must get your heart motivation right. With God, it's all about motives. And the problem is that we used to have a heart, as unsaved people, we have a heart whose motive cannot be other than selfish. You can try. I'll change my motive. The real reason, the real, real, real reason, all of those real, real reasons will end up, it's selfish. It's only when you receive a new heart in Christ that you receive an unselfish nature in your core. And what then keeps causing you to act in ways that are inconsistent with your new nature is fear. And self-preservation. Yeah, but if I help this guy, then I won't. If I, if I, if I preach the God, then... Uh, 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 all of it becomes motivated by fear. But if you remove fear and you introduce love, you will see a Christian being a Christian. It says there, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. We don't love him and then he loved us. We love, and this is love for God and for others. We love because God first loved us. Now many times we have this sense in our hearts that, no, I don't feel like God loves me. Because we're going about it based on that experience that we had. And I'm here to tell you, regardless of your experiences, for those of you who are married, you know. That there are times when your spouse misunderstands you. Because of something that went wrong. You were supposed to pick her up at the taxi rank and then you forgot and then your phone was off and then she stood there for three hours. That's not what happened to me, I'm just saying. 
<laughs> I'm just saying that those kind of things can happen. Then when you pick her up, eventually, are you okay? Don't talk to me. You hateful husband, you. <laughs> now imagine she takes that one experience and forgets about that other time when you decided to do all her assignments for her. <laughs> Because of love, you know. <laughs> don't do your assignments. Don't do the assignments of other people. It's, they might get sued for the PhD. <laughs> but the one experience should not color everything. And God is saying that regardless of what happens in your life, there is something that should fill your whole heart. And that is the fact that Jesus laid his life down for you. Give us the next one. What is love? Galatians 5 or 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working in love. How many of you, you struggle to believe God? You have times in your heart where the doubts are just flooding your heart all the time. You know that what you are experiencing is a blindness to the love of God. And what God wants is for you to fill your heart with a sense of his love and faith becomes spontaneous out of that. Amen? And so it's really important that you realize that the love of Christ is what sets faith. It sets faith up. 1 John 4 verse 8, it says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. If you ask yourself, what does a Christian look like? What does a child of God look like? What is it that marks their life? Is it all their tongue talking? Is it when they can sing along with Mark's high notes? <laughs> Is it because they, they memorize the scriptures? No. You will know them by their love. Not by their selfish love. You know selfish love. We spoke about that. By their selfless love. And in order for you to love selflessly, I'm telling you, church, fear cannot be in the way. Once fear is in the movie, immediately, that is not love. It becomes manipulation. It's manipulation. I love her so that I can get what I want. I love him so that he can give me X, Y, Z. I love, do you understand? So that God can. But when it comes to being a believer, you don't need all of that. Why? You've already been made full and complete. You've received everything you need. You don't have a sense of vulnerability, fear and lack and all of that. You come now like God, fully supplied to bless. 
And that is God's plan. That you will be so fully equipped, so fully supplied. In every relationship. Because you have the flooding of the love of God. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. By the Holy Spirit. You have the flooding of the love of God. So that when offenses come, you forgive so quickly. I remember over the, 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 the years of marriage. Learning about forgiving quickly from my wife. And I used to think, no, but if I forgive too quickly, they will do it again. Yeah? You know those. Can I have a witness who is like that? Yeah? Come on. I love you. I will forgive you. But I just want to teach you something <laughs> of a biblical nature. <laughs> yeah, come on. You, you don't want them to just, you know, keep going down the slippery slope of offenses. And you are the closest, so you'll be receiving most of those. But love, love causes you to forgive. It keeps, love keeps no record of wrongs. <laughs> Some of us is like, no. Love does not seek its own. It, it keeps no record of wrong. It is not proud. It is not unseemly. It is not rude. Why? Because we know the love that God has for us. It so cements your identity that any kind of offense just looks, just looks unoffensive. Amen? Have you seen two people going through the same experience? One laughs it off. Because they were insulted by the same individual. One laughs it off and moves on with life. The other one. Dear diary. <laughs> 1994. <laughs> Today. And you will pack it there in your dear diary library. So that when you feel like you need to grovel a little bit in negativity and sympathy. Oh, go and pull. Please, my child, bring daddy's diary that is there on shelf, shelf number two, volume four. <laughs> bring it up, close my door, bring me some tissues. I need to remind myself of how evil this world is. There is a freedom in love. And the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said that the love of God compels us. And this was a man who was almost on a weekly basis getting stoned and beaten. For loving people, I have to tell them. I have to tell them about the love of God. Beaten and stoned. Remember what Jesus said as they were crucifying. Father, forgive them. What kind of love is this that loves those who are their enemies? Who loves those who are unlovable? It's the kind of love that has been removed from fear. That sits in the heart of the Father and builds its life on the love of God. Romans 8.15 It says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery... To fall back into fear. Meaning, previously you had the spirit of slavery that puts you in bondage to fear. But you have received now the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, 
Abba, Father. What is Abba? It's Daddy. It's Papa. It's endearing. So for those of you, you grew up in religion, whereas God is unapproachable. And you see all these other children of God just going in without protocol and jumping on the father's lap and pulling his beard. And you are thinking, what sin is this? (laughs) Abba, 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 Abba. This is how children in Israel call their daddy. Abba, Abba, Abba. And the word of God tells us that the old spirit that we had was this, oh, most excellent one there. How many of you, that's how your children refer to you? (laughs) Most excellent one has arrived. (laughs) We receive you in great honor and propriety. We would like to report in for... No. If you come to a home and you see that kind of thing, you will immediately call an Annette. (laughs) Annette, something is not right in this house. (laughs) Call your people. Why? Because there's dysfunction there. There's dysfunction there. We have not received this spirit, this spirit of, of, of slavery to fear. But we have received the spirit that makes us cry, Abba, Abba, Abba. And this is what the world needs to see. Because they have the spirit of bondage to fear, they are trying to avoid the father. If the father is coming down the road, short left, take out your phone and pretend. As if you are sending a WhatsApp. <laughs> right? But we have not received the spirit that causes us to be dysfunctional. We have received the spirit that draws us. Draws. It draws us. Whether we messed up or not. It draws us to the Father. Amen? The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So the Holy Spirit bears witness and testifies and tells our spirit that we are the children of God. 1 John 4.16 It says, we have come to know. Have you come to know? By personal observation and experience. And we have believed with deep and consistent faith the love which God has for us. Many of us, we've come to know and believe the love which God has for sinners. But for those of us who are now sons of God, older sons, you know, Mark, the feeling was, you know, before I was adopted in this family, everyone loved me. I didn't have to do the dishes or anything. I was the new baby in the house. But now, after many years... You are now a grown one, you know. Now now I have to do all the work, all the work. And we have that sense. We introduce that to our relationship with God. When I was first born again, I just came to the cross weeping and receiving Christ. And everyone was just like, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. But 20 years later, what's wrong with you? Why, why aren't you? Why aren't you? And it's important that we maintain that sense of first love. That first love cannot mature. It needs to remain first, first love. That sense of God loves me. And it needs to be experienced and it needs to be believed. Amen? God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. 
continually. So in closing, feed on the word of God. Not on your experiences. <laughs> Some of you are Never mind, this is not a relationship series. Feed on the word of God, not on your experiences. Amen? Because when you feed on your experiences, chances are the word of God will be a lie to you. Secondly, expand your view of God. My mom always used to ask us, how big is your God? And that doesn't imply different gods. It implies different eyes. And to the extent that you're able to see God the way that he should be seen, your emotions and your heart all respond rightly. Number three, appreciate God's love. Appreciate God's love doesn't mean, hmm, I'm thankful, hmm, I'm thankful. No. Appreciate means to take advantage and enjoy to the point where it increases value. It appreciates. Amen? In your experience. And then last but not least, repent. And repentance is a lifelong experience. Why? Because repentance is the changing of your heart and mind when you recognize when you are wrong. And for many of us this morning, repentance is already taking place in our hearts. We are already seeing, whoa, I used to see things this way. I need to repent. And to the extent that we're able to do these things practically, we will see fear far from us. Amen? The promise to the righteous is that oppression shall be far from you, and I will never be angry with you again. If anyone does you harm, don't believe them if they say that it's God. Amen? Amen?